Brother Stephen, is it okay I pick on you for a second? Sure. Well, I was going to say, aren't we glad we're sinners saved by grace? And <laughs> we, uh, you know, even though uh, words may not be on a screen, they're still in our hearts. And so it's uh, a bl- still a blessing to be able to worship God in song. And I ask that um, we, uh, we pray before we worship God in uh, the word. So let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you today. We thank you for your word. God, it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, help us to remember, help us to focus, and help us to love you more. God, as we uh, dive into your word this morning, may our hearts be turned to you, and may we um, glorify you in all that we do and say. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, today we're going to be, um, uh, we'll skip around a few, few things uh, for, to a few different scriptures here and there. Um, so, but we'll start in uh, the Gospel of John. So if you'll turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. The Gospel of John, chapter 19, and I've got my notes here, if I can find them. Um. John chapter 19, verse 30. And while you're turning there, I will um, tell you a little um, story about myself, and then I will jump into uh, another uh, thing I've got to talk to you about. Um, As uh, Brother Stephen mentioned, my name is Ryan. I'm the campus minister for uh, Baptist Collegiate Ministries at Middle Georgia State University. That's a tongue, that's a mouthful, isn't it? And it's still not even my full title, I guess. But... um, if you are familiar with BSU back in the day, uh, it's the same thing. Uh, it's like one of those things, uh, you know, people can change the name all they want, but it still looks the same. It's still the same thing. We still minister to college students. We, uh, we uh, reach out to college students where we're at, and um, we are glad to be there. And I will con- um, uh, encourage you, as y'all are uh, uh, emphasizing... Um, the, um, this month, the um, Mission Georgia this, this month, uh, I know, I think last week y'all had a speaker here for Mission Georgia, right? Um, and so I hope that went well, and I encourage you to give to that because it does help us in our uh, mission, even at Middle Georgia. Uh, and so we encourage you to continue to give to that, and I thank you for that. Um, as uh, um, Pastor Chad uh, wrote in the bulletin, I didn't notice, I didn't know that he was going to do that, uh, but he kind of gave a small little bio on us, and um, you can say that we have him beat. Uh, We have five kids instead of four, um, and they're all girls, and so um, so I think I've got it in the bag. I don't know. I don't know what this, no, I'm just joking. No, but you were t- talking about vacations with his family. You know, you, you kind of have to take the whole village to really do anything. That is so true. Um, you know, anytime we go anywhere, uh, you know, we try to do our, some things on our own and not have to rely on, hey, grandma, granddad, can you come and help us out here? Uh, because they have lives too. We don't want them to feel like we depend on them all the time, but it is nice when family comes along and, and is able to uh, wrangle the children around. So, uh, But yes, my wife and I are blessed to have five children. 
they range in the ages from eight to two. Um, and so uh, we are just thrilled <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be their parents. So y'all think that's, it is funny, but um, God has really blessed us. He truly has. And so um, I, you'll see a lot of, when I, when I have the opportunity to speak to local churches or even to our college students, a lot of my stories come out of my family, uh, mainly because it's quite entertaining to have five children, um, <clears throat> but, and I can get a lot of stories out of that, but um, it's just I love my family, and I, I love uh, who they are and what God's blessed us with. So, um, But to transition a little bit, have you all ever seen... Um, I'm a sports guy. I love sports. Um, I'm an Alabama fan, so if you think less of me because of that, it's okay. Um, you know, I'm again. I'm a sinner saved by grace, right? So um, no, but I love I love Alabama. Alabama's my team, but I, I love some Georgia football too. Don't get me wrong. It's okay. Uh, and the funny thing is, yesterday I was at the Georgia Tech game, which is weird because my brother-in-law had an extra ticket. We were up there with some family, and so I was like, hey, free game? I love it. So, um, but I'm a, I'm a sports guy. I'm, an ath- uh, I'm not an athlete, um, but I just love watching sports. I love the idea of sports, the, the, the camaraderie of the team, the, uh, the work ethic of an athlete. I just love that. So, have you ever seen those athletes, um, specifically, uh, you know, track, running track, whatever, and they lose track of what lap it is, and they think that they are about to win the, th- win the race. They've got their hands up. They're like, yeah, I won the race. And then everybody just comes zooming on past them and going around for the last lap because they lost track of what lap it was. Um, it's demoralizing, when that happens, right? It's just, uh, you, it, you see it, there's been uh, several times where you can even go on YouTube and find uh, different videos of, of athletes who uh, lost track of the, the lap or they think that they've got the race won and then somebody comes up and right at the last second beats them out. Um, that's so demoralizing. But um, there, the finish line is such... A um, is what everybody's reaching for, in, in, especially in, a, in a, a track race or anything like that. That finish line is what um, you're focused on, right? As, as, a, as an athlete, you're focused on that finish line. You've got to finish well. You've got to uh, keep going. Well, um, <laughs> as a small token from my, from my family, um, my wife and I, thought we were done at four. Um, but God has a sense of humor and decided to allow us to have yet another one, which I wouldn't have it any other way. But uh, it's always a, uh, it was a, definitely a surprise when number five came around. Um, and we were hoping for that boy, even though he's like, you know what, if, if God wants to have us a baby, let's have a boy. And he didn't happen. So do what? Oh, well, you know, listen, I, 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 I truly, I, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to tell God how, what, how it's going to go, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, God works in mysterious ways, brother. So 
Um, but uh, if you'll turn with me to cha- John chapter 19, the Gospel of John chapter 19 and verse 30, we see the culmination of Jesus' work on earth. And see, God truly worked in Jesus' life while he was here on earth. Obviously, we wouldn't be, have four books of the Bible, the Gospels, dedicated strictly to his life and his work on earth. So here this is the culmination of it, and in verse 30 it says, Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You see, this shows where Christ says that it is finished, and it was a very pivotal moment in his life uh, and also in our lives. Because... God had been working throughout time to bring us to that point in history uh, where Jesus died. Because you look back in the beginning of time, Genesis. You look back into Genesis and you see time and time again where not only God was preparing a way for Christ, you see Christ in Genesis. You see how he's working. You see how um, God is guiding and directing the paths of those who come before uh, Christ and how they are leading us up to uh, Jesus' ministry in the Gospels. And so, uh, all the way from Genesis to the Gospels, God has been making a way. And uh, there's three points I want to point out to you about this, about this finish line attitude. Um, Just like the athlete who forgets the the lap number, uh, a lot of times we fail. A lot of times we struggle, and a lot of times we don't remember the lap number. We don't get to that one point, and we feel like we're at that point, you know, I'm, I'm finishing, or I've reached the pinnacle of my life, but it's just not that way. And point number one, Jesus did it gladly. So Jesus' work from the very beginning of time, he was doing it gladly. Um, Can you imagine? Someone provides you with an opportunity. This opportunity has a way for you to uh, be with other people, has an opportunity for other people to follow you, for you to be a leader of many people. But in the end, you die. It's kind of a anticlimactic story. It's it's not an opportunity that anyone would be really willing to take. But yet Jesus, in in this opportunity, being presented it by God, saying, you will go and you will save the world by dying on a cross. And he did it gladly. We read in Philippians uh, chapter 2, and it talks about how Christ came he, he didn't consider it to be something to boast about. He didn't consider it to, uh, to be something that he flaunts, but it is something that he uh, lived out, and it is something that he did gladly. And it is something that he did gladly and with a grateful heart. And it makes me wonder, do I do things gladly or with a grateful heart? See, God has given us the gift of life through his son, Jesus Christ. And yet, there are, I find my, myself uh, at times um, downtrodden. You know, I, I found myself 
um, looking at my situation or uh, what's what's in front of me, and I it seems that it is um, it's not okay, and uh, that's not that kind of attitude that Christ had, even being presented with an opportunity to uh, to die. He approached the opportunity with gladness, and he did it gladly and, and with a grateful heart. And I wonder uh, why I don't have a grateful heart about where I'm at. Because, uh, I mean, uh, no offense to anyone in here, but whenever I was looking at starting into ministry, I, I looked into, I started into a collegiate ministry, I uh, was the intern at Valdosta State University, and I loved it. Loved it there. I had a great time. My family and I were there. We built great bonds with many people, had great uh, friendships, uh, loved the students. It was a great, vibrant ministry and still is. Um, uh, But God was calling us to Cochrane, to move to Cochrane, to be on the campus at Middle Georgia State University. And um, it wasn't where I wanted to be. (laughs) It wasn't. Uh, Cochran is not, as y'all know, is not such a vibrant city, much, not much like Valdosta State, but especially not, uh, we went to seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and so Fort Worth is a booming, vibrant city, uh, and uh, it just was a complete contrast to where I was thinking where I was going to be. Uh, and so um, I didn't approach that with a grateful heart. And God showed me and, and taught me and, and gave me some lessons that I had to learn. Um, and uh, to apply it a little bit in a silly way, but it, it, I think it shows it well, uh, along with that, my girls, um, they love to eat, okay? They love to eat. Every, every day, um, whenever I have the chance to pick them up from school, my wife is a fifth grade teacher over in uh, Bleckley County, and um, and so sometimes I have to pick them up so she can finish, get some stuff done. And uh, I pick them up, and we get home, and we're, I tell them, you know, it's time to go over some homework, make sure we're, we're, we've got our folder cleared out and everything. Uh, but their first thing, as soon as their foot hits the floor inside the house, is, can I have a snack? And, um, you know, <laughs> they just love food, and that just points to that. But there's so many times, uh, and my, my gut shows it, that uh, they don't always eat all of their food. Um, and um, I try to tell them, like, listen, we need to be grateful for the food that we've been given. We need to eat it all because uh, we need to be grateful for that and, and not uh, waste it. And um, a lot of times... It's the daddy vacuum that comes through and cleans up the table. Um, and, uh, but it doesn't seem like they're very grateful about that. And we've talked about that. And we, that's, that's a lesson for another time. But uh, a lot of times that points to how we feel or how we act about our own situations. God blesses us in a mighty way with maybe something that we weren't expecting or maybe something that we didn't even want. But yet God has blessed us with it, and we need to be grateful for those things. So uh, Jesus did uh, what he did, not only gladly, but number two, he did it completely. He did it completely. Uh, There was nothing left 
No, uh, as some of y'all just throw back to uh, President Bush whenever he voted, there was no hanging chad left on the voter's card, right? Um, there was nothing left, no, uh, nothing left on the job. He completed it completely, wholly. Um, and so when he says it is finished, um, he completely meant that. But see, a lot of people today take this, this, uh, this saying that he says here in John chapter 19, saying that it is finished, that there's nothing else left to do. People think that, okay, Jesus has paid it all, right? We sing that song all the time, he's paid it all. Yes, he did. But a lot of times think, people think, okay, I'm, he's done, he's finished, I've got my fire insurance card, I'm good. I don't have anything else left to do. I can live how I want to live. I can do what I want to do. I'm, uh, I'm saved by grace, and I can do whatever I want to do, and that's all. That's it. That's, all. that's how I'm going to live my life. Unfortunately, that's not the way that God has called us to live. God has called us to live in a way that is pleasing to Him, to show that, his, that when He finished the work that God had, had set that path all the way up to the Gospels, He didn't do it just so that we could live our lives flippantly or, or to live our lives in a way that would not be pleasing to Him. That is not what He's called us to do. Um, but he has, death uh, was completely defeated in His work. And we need to be thankful and need to understand that it is not our right to um, use Christ's death, burial, and resurrection as, a, as an excuse uh, to live our lives in a way that would not be pleasing to him. It is not our place to do that. So Jesus did it gladly, and he did it completely. And when he did, uh, number three, we become a new creation. If you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Therefore, and before this, he, he's talking about uh, things that are um, temporal or, or something, things that are um, going to fade away and the things that are eternal. But he's, then he talks about, uh, let's just jump up into verse 16 there. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have been passed away, and behold, new things have come. That picture the, that, that picture that pulls up in my mind is my, my grandmother's flower bed. Uh, my grandmother loved her flower bed and spent hours upon hours upon hours of time and energy into making her flower bed just outside of her house beautiful. And it truly was. But those winter months would always come, and the beautiful um, hydrangea bushes and the beautiful sunflowers and the beautiful rose bushes that she planted there she, they would look barren and old and uh, brown and just, just, for lack of a better term, dead. They just looked dead. And there was so many times when um, 
you would see uh, in, in the wintertime, she would always love to decorate her house, especially around Christmas and uh, many different things. But the, you, one thing that she never took down, even at the Christmas holidays, she never took down her pictures of her flowers. She always kept them up because she wanted to be reminded that those things, the beautiful things of uh, the summer, uh, will be back again. In the same way, that, kind of, that picture, uh, whenever I read this verse about th- the old things have passed away and behold, new things have come, that is something that she always looked forward to in the springtime, was being able to get back in her garden and see the new flowers, the new creations, sometimes even more beautiful than it ever was. And she would always take a picture of them and send them to us or hang them on her wall. Um, and that's the picture that I see. Whenever I see this uh, uh, Paul telling the Corinthians here that, that they are, if anyone knows Christ or is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away and they have become new. And that's something that we need to hang our hat on. We need to hold on to dearly uh, in our lives with Christ because a lot of times we can get discouraged and downtrodden with our lives and the things that are going on. And uh, a lot of times things creep back up, right? Things that uh, are part of our past that um, we thought that we had buried or uh, we thought that we had gotten over. But the devil always tries to throw those things right back in our face in the times when we are the weakest. But yet we have to remember that when we are weak, Christ is strong. Christ is our everlasting strength, and he is the one who, can ta- who has taken away those things, taken away those sins. That's the reason why we can have hope when we see that, uh, like in John cha- uh, chapter 3, verse 16, says that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. Everlasting life. That's what we are looking forward to, and that's what we have, and it's something that we understand that we cannot be taken away from Christ's grasp. And that everlasting life that we uh, have hope in is not something that Christ gave up on. And so um, we see that we have been made a new believer, new Christ, uh, something. He does this so that we can live a life that points to him in our lives. And so pointing back to the athletes at the beginning, when they give up that, or they, they think that they've finished and that the race is still going, that's the way we are. We think that we have finished because we have Christ in us. And it, it, rightfully so, we, we have uh, um, Nothing left to look forward to other than being with Christ again. But God has something more for us in that last lap. That last lap of our lives, we need to be living out our faith with unabandoned. We need to be living out our faith so that when other people see us, they don't see us, but they see the finished work of Christ on the cross. And that is the hope and the love and the joy and the peace that we should have in our lives today. So whenever there's uh, bad things come on or something that's unexpected happens in our lives, maybe a family member passes away or uh, maybe uh, we get laid off from our job, those are things that are definitely 
sad or hard times that come upon us. I'm not saying that things are going to be rainbows and bunny rabbits when Jesus comes and saves us. But it's ultimately our job to give God glory in where we are at and where we are planted. Because there is nothing that can change that other than Christ Jesus. So when Christ says that it's finished, he's not like those athletes realizing that there's one more lap. He has prepared us completely. He has prepared us completely to go and faithfully share his message with the world. There's nothing that should stand in our way, whether it be um, uh, people who just don't like the, the word of Christ, or maybe it's a neighbor who you think that uh, you, you know that you need to be talking to or know that you need to be sharing with. Uh, those are the things, the opportunities that God is putting before us today so that we can live our lives in a, in a way that would be pleasing with him. Because Jesus, Jesus went into his job, his, his task, gladly, but he also finished the work completely. In the same way, we need to be finishing our work gladly and with a humble heart and being completely separated from it. Because this is, this is extra, and I, I know I'm running late on time, but... Um, There is so much to be sad about in our world today. There's so much to be um, mad about in our world today. But yet God has called us not to a life of sadness or gladness, or, or excuse me, sadness or madness, but he's also, he's called us to a life that is glad in what he is providing. Whether it be hard times or whether it be good times, we should have that heart of gladness, have that heart that gives him glory and honor and praise. But most importantly, he has completed the work completely. There's nothing else that we have to do to be saved. God has completely done that work through Christ. It is our job now to take that completed work, hold on to it, embrace it, cherish it, but then share it with, the other, with all the people around us and with the world. Because it is not ours to, to take, it is not ours to keep. It is ours to completely give to other people because Christ freely gave us eternal life. Because like it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. I, I talk to my students about this a, a lot. Um, what can something that, something that is dead, what can it do? Nothing. Something that is dead is dead. There's nothing else that it can do other than just be dead. And that is the way that you and I were before Christ. But even when we were dead and doing nothing, Christ died for you and me. And it's that saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross that has brought us to a new life, to be a new creation like it says in 2 Corinthians. And so in our new creation, in our new life, let us do something, not something that, not, let's not be like something that's dead and do nothing and sit in our pews and sit in our comfy chairs at home and do nothing. Let's be like a new creation in Christ and let's go. Let's share the love of Jesus with other people. Share the love of Jesus with our neighbor or with our family or with our friends or with our coworkers or heck, maybe even our community. Let's be the love 
of Christ to other people. So that when we do the things, and when, we're, when we have that glad heart, even when things are tough and when things are bad or when things are uh, not going our way, and we, yet we still have that glad heart, what does that say to other people? It says that there's something different about him or there's something different about her because there is no way that he should be glad right now. But yet he is. What is different about him? Well, I can tell you, Jesus Christ is the difference maker in that man's life or that, that lady's life. And that's the way that I hope that I can live my life, and I sure hope that that's the way that you hope that you can live your life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, now's the time. Now's the time because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed next week. We're not even guaranteed the next 30 minutes. Now is the time to give your heart and give your life to Christ so that he can make you anew. He can make you uh, new in Jesus because that is only through Jesus' saving work on the cross that we can be saved. And so uh, with that, I'll invite the the musicians to come or uh, Brother Stephen to come on. But um, I hope and pray that as we uh, sing this next message of invitation, uh, it's called He is Lord, Um, I pray that you will um, ultimately give your heart and your life to Christ this morning, because it is only through Him that you can become new, and it's only through the saving work of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that you can do to be saved. There's no Uh, words that you have to say. There's no uh, ritual that you have to do. It is only through giving your heart to Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. And with that, let's pray and then we'll sing. God, we love you. We thank you for